0: change is inevitable, but growth is intentional.
1: Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alfon. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to point out one of my sponsors, Mike Me Audio, who actually created that incredible intro that you just heard. Now, Mike Me is actually responsible for creating Gary Vaynerchuk's intro as well as uh, Brittany Crystal's on her Beyond Influential podcast. And what I love about it is, it simply gives your podcast that high-end, high-production feel that really grabs your listeners' attention. Now, the good news is, if you want an intro for yourself, you can actually go to micme.com. That's m-i-c-m-e.com, and use the promo code MIC at checkout, and you'll receive ten percent off your first intro. And they make the process really easy. All you got to do is set in your script, uh, choose your music, choose your uh, voiceover actor, and they'll create it for you within 72 hours. Again, check out MikeMe.com and use promo code Mick, M-I-Q-K, and you know the Q comes before the K, and you'll get 10% off at checkout. But before I speak too much, let's get on to the show. What's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am super pumped on this episode, but this one in particular, because today we have Jordan Carroll, who is an ambassador for the travel and work movement currently working with Remote Year, and is a coach for those who want to also become a digital nomad. Um, Fun fact, this is the first time that we've ever met. This is the best way to get to know somebody, I think. So um, for me and anyone listening, Jordan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, I would say uh, thank you, first of all, for inviting me into your space today. Uh, it's weird when you meet people on the internet <laughs> and you meet them for the first time. And we were talking earlier about, you know, we shot a video earlier and you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm getting kind of nervous because <laughs> you yeah. in so many videos. But for that situation to like draw out nerves from you because we had never met, I think it's funny um, how many opportunities I get to see people come out of their comfort zones. So a little bit about me, I am constantly striving to be out of my comfort zone. That is like my biggest priority in life is to push my limits of growth. And how I do that is travel uh, as frequently as I can. And not just to travel, but to, to see places, to learn about cultures, and ultimately to learn about myself. And I'm someone who strives to find more self-awareness. And I, I, I often struggle with the question of like, tell me about yourself, because I think we're all like dynamically evolving beings. Like we don't have a definition of like what we do for work is like what we do for work but yeah. it doesn't define us mm-hmm. so i think the best way to describe who i am is just a growth seeking individual yeah. who at the moment my priority is
1: traveling yeah that's yeah. awesome so let's start from the beginning where'd you grow up i grew up in the bay
0: area california so in between oakland and san jose a city called fremont
1: pretty, okay. big, pretty big city what was it like to hang out with you in high school
0: um you were probably smoking weed with me oh yeah I, I I feel like,
1: I feel like... Thank you, first of all. Yeah. No,
0: I feel like I was not really, I'd say, plugged into the social scene as much as I look back at some of my relationships in high school. And the only common thread was that I was, the people that I knew is that we had smoked weed together. Okay. So I, I think like I was kind of a stoner. I don't know what other people would say. Probably the same thing. I was kind of like socially awkward in some ways, but... I played baseball, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't, I don't think I've, I i would not say that I know myself yet, but I definitely know a lot more about myself and who yeah. I like striving to be, but I definitely didn't know like anything about who I was
1: at that point.
0: And that's probably the best description of me.
1: When did the idea of like, you know, I, I think that there's kind of a taboo around personal growth in mm-hmm. general, but let's just call it what it is. When did the idea of like personal growth, like strike you? What made you want to? you know, start figuring out who you are and then amplifying that.
0: I can't point to maybe a specific moment that that happened. I think over the course of time, I just knew that I had to get to know myself better Mm -hmm. to be in a better place. I I can think back to some times in college where I was getting involved on campus with some different clubs and organizations. And that drove a part of me that was like, oh, maybe I should start to try to be a leader and Mm. you know kind of redefine myself because when i left high school i knew going to chico which was north about three and a half hours and nobody would know who i was yeah so i could redefine that and self-development personal development professional development all became a part of that new person that i was going to create right a lot of times people say like fake it till you make it Mm -hmm. i actually think that if you fake something long enough Let's just say that I'm trying to be a certain type of person. If I fake like I'm that person, and when I say fake, I mean I'm acting like that person. Mm-hmm. If I do that long enough and consistently, I just become that person. Yeah, So It's not even really faking it. It's just behaving a different way and actually taking it and putting it into action. And the biggest thing I saw, I think, in, in the early stages of my life is I would just think about it. Right. I wouldn't actually take the action. But then there was some certain times in college where I started taking action towards... Becoming this person that I wanted to be. And then that's how it actually happened.
1: Who was the person that you wanted to be?
0: Um, That's a good question. I think I always just want to be someone who at least accepts myself for who I am. That's the hardest part. I've had more problem denying my own self. Like Mm -hmm. holding resentment, trying to escape. I had a, I definitely had a substance abuse issue for a while in my life, and a lot of that stems from wanting to escape the life that I was living or felt like I was in, you know, kind of an anxious or a depressive state, whatever it might have been. And that drove me to seek substances and different things that would allow me to escape. So it almost feels like it was, it was less of like me trying to be who I wanted to be and me more of just accepting who I was. And then finding ways to build upon myself, yeah, and and just be the best version of that Mm -hmm. person. And then I think you have to kind of try different things to figure out like what you actually like. Yeah. So it was just a big, it's been a big method of experimentation, and that continues
1: for sure. Um, you know, when you were like searching for uh, substances, um, to escape like your maybe your mental circumstance or whatever it might have been, what exactly were you trying to escape?
0: The reality, the discomfort with reality because I think, you know, when I looked at some of my relationships and just, I I had a lot of attachment to outcomes. Like I would have a a girl, I had a girlfriend in, you know, freshman year of college or whatever. And, you know, she had cheated on me and I was so attached to making that relationship work Mm -hmm. for me that I like disregarded my own, like personal respect for myself by like accepting her back and like trying to make it work and like trying to figure those things out and it was just like all those emotions that came up were so uncomfortable that alcohol drugs would be an easy way to to kind of numb that yeah. out and that's just a small example but yeah. there was you know there's pressure from like you know you want to you feel like you want to do well and be successful because you want to impress other people or you want other people to think a certain way about you. So when that stress or or anxiety gets to be too much sometimes, it's easy to fall back on substances.
1: Yeah. Was there a specific person or group of people that you were trying to impress? Just my peers at the time, I think
0: in college at least. I lived in the dorms mm-hmm. and, you know, everybody was trying to figure shit out, right? Yeah. We're all like fucking kids dude <laughs> like i was 17 yeah and i looked around and you know you seek the approval sure of the people around you and if you're not surrounding yourself with the best people then it doesn't you know you're seeking approval from the wrong people anyway so it's like what is that all worth but at that time i didn't really have a choice of i, I did have a choice of who i surround myself with but circumstantially in the dorms, you are surrounding yourself with people that you, de- you didn't like. Choose to be yeah. neighbors with this guy in the dorms, right? Right. So, as I think, as like life goes on, y- you find that you can make more of those decisions yourself. Mm. You maybe always had that choice in some way, but it becomes easier to identify those kind of decisions.
1: What was the relationship with like your your parents like? Was that were you getting any you know additional pressure from them to succeed in a certain way. I think there's always been an expectation
0: with my parents that I do well. They've been supportive of me mm-hmm. in my different endeavors and and things i don't I think there's a part of our relationship that um, I wish was stronger, and that's kind of on on me in a lot of ways. yeah, we've had some discussions about that recently mm. um, about trying to figure out how we can feel. Like we know each other because i moved I moved out when I was seventeen and I think I'm a very individualistic person
1: mm. I do
0: a lot of things on my own and they've always been supportive, but it's definitely been uh i don't know there's, is there an an implicit pressure that comes with that, maybe, but i don't I don't feel like they
1: were ever like overbearing in any way right is that kind of why you decided to go the digital nomad route because now you get to be Kind of mm. an individual.
0: When I reflect on what my needs are as a person, mm. we all have needs. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about six different needs that we all have. There are personality needs, and there are spiritual needs. So the spiritual needs are contribution and growth. So those two things are really central to us feeling like we have meaning in life. The personality needs are um, certainty, uncertainty, significance, love, and connection. I am so driven by uncertainty. It's fucking insane. Hmm. Like a lot of people are very comfortable in their environment and they enjoy being in one place. They enjoy having a routine that's very predictable. I, for whatever reason, especially in the past few years, it's felt like I need to get up and go. Yeah. I need to be somewhere else. And that can also be detrimental because I think a lot of times I, I, Evaluate what's next. Yeah, and I, I I have a I have to really root myself in like what is the present moment, mm-hmm. and can I be in that, or do I have to think about what's next all the time? And when I notice that the the biggest drivers for me are growth and uncertainty for sure. Being a digital nomad feeds both of those.
1: Now, for the listener that isn't quite familiar with what a digital nomad is, uh, would you mind explaining it?
0: A digital nomad is someone who perpetuates a lifestyle that is independent of location. So I can work from anywhere in the world and I use that to my advantage to travel while I'm working Mm full-time. And I have a job, a full-time job that supports me in that. I have a coaching practice that supports me in that. And it's amazing. I mean, I, I love it. I, I I think that everybody should have a chance to go travel and try to normalize parts of their life while they're traveling because it's a crazy experience waking up in a new country where maybe you don't know the language mm-hmm. and you have to figure out how to do your life.
1: That's so interesting. I, I recently mentioned to somebody, I was like, I think at least once in everybody's life they have to travel somewhere where they do not know the language. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's more like humbling.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and like it almost brings like some shame
1: for yeah, me. Dude.
0: For me in Mexico especially. Mm-hmm. Because and it makes me look at folks that come from Mexico and don't speak English in America. Like look at them differently. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard a lot of people, and this is like from different parts of America, talk about like if you come to this country, speak the language. It's like, well, when I've been in other countries and I don't speak the language and I've gotten the grace of those people to try and help me through the conversations and be a part of the culture and like learn. And even if I just show like some effort, of like trying to speak it, yeah. How like grateful they are. I think that that's how we should be too. Yeah. Um, And I, I think there's a lot of judgment that's easily passed to people that that maybe migrate to the United States. We're all immigrants <laughs> at some level, right? So to think that—and I didn't mean to get this get to like political or something. <laughs> no, it's quite all right. To think that you know we're all we're all citizens of of humanity. We're all in this together we're all connected so it's very humbling like you said to go to a country and not know the language and i just have the utmost for respect for people who don't speak the language in the country they're in and try and make it work and try and figure it out
1: yeah i i, I believe it's like it's a really easy way to figure out like how insignificant your shit actually is too yeah you know what i mean it's like oh wait i can't I can't properly articulate the fact that I need to go to the bathroom and I don't yeah. know where one is. They're just like, what? <laughs> like, what
0: do you want? <laughs> so so tell me, what uh, did, what experience did you have that's kind of shaped your view on you know, this particular topic?
1: Well, definitely time in Mexico, which is interesting. Uh, my girlfriend is Mexican, mm-hmm. and we actually just got back like two days ago from Mexico. So there's times there where it's like, even when I'm with her family and I feel the comfort of like knowing that if I needed something, I can ask her to ask somebody yeah. still like having everybody speak a certain, speak the language, even at a restaurant and you're sitting there and I'm like, and I battle this thing. It's like, wait, I know how to say that I want water and this burrito type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, I also don't want to sound silly. I don't want to offend. Yeah. I like sometimes I think like if I say it wrong, I might offend somebody, Yeah. you know what I mean? So there's that. Um, but more, But more broad than that, because Alexa, who's my girlfriend, and I went to India, Mm. that was really difficult because neither of us thought, knew how to speak the language. And what was interesting was, they wouldn't even give us a shot at speaking English because they thought she was Indian. She's pretty Mm. dark-skinned, you know what I mean? Um, So they're just like straight up yelling at us in gudrat or in hindi or whatever it might be and to try to get from point a to point b when you don't speak the language is really difficult and i don't know i just kind of think about certain situations like that it's like wow like how difficult did it like you said how difficult is it for people that come to our country and or to the states and it's like you don't speak how do you get along how do you find a sense of community and that's actually one thing i'm kind of um interested about with you is Do you spend a lot of time outside of the States? I mean, it says Mexico City right now. Is that where you quote-unquote live?
0: Yeah. Um, At the moment, I've spent the past month and a half in the States, but for the six months before that, I've been in Europe, Africa, and Mexico.
1: How do you, like, you know, for me, I don't know if I could survive without being able to effectively communicate with people. Mm -hmm. How do you do it in different countries where different languages and... Sure. Well, I think,
0: As far as where I've been more recently, the only place that it's been a difficult transition has been Mexico, Mm. Mexico City. In Europe, in like Prague and Croatia and Lisbon, Portugal, there's a lot of people that speak English. And then South Africa is in English. Mm -hmm. So those places weren't an issue for me at all. The difficulty in Mexico has just been, I speak in English for my job all day. Mm. So even though I feel like I should be immersed because I'm in the country, all my energy is being expended throughout the day and I'm speaking English. So then afterwards, I have to determine what energy do I have left to put towards learning a new language. Right, Very difficult. <laughs> and, I, and I've like consciously chosen, like I, I can't put that energy in. I, I'm not willing to. Yeah, Because I'm not going to sit here and say I don't have enough time or like if i if i wanted to make it happen i would make it happen and i'm reconsidering it because i might do another trip through south america starting january mm-hmm. and there would be a curriculum that i could sign up for that would make it a little bit easier add some accountability right put some things on my calendar and i i would more easily be able to integrate into uh learning it
1: yeah i'm super curious as to how you made the jump from uh to be a you know, a digital nomad. I don't know if you were thinking that when you started, but uh, your first job wasn't remote working and traveling across the world. It was at IBM, right? Right. So I worked at IBM for four
0: four years. Mm-hmm. I traveled with them, which was great, but it was all domestic. It was, you know, two customer sites. So there's this kind of like, there's this weird disconnect with some people understanding what remote work is. Remote work is not, that you're traveling to different customer sites, it's that you don't have to do that at all. You can live anywhere, Mm. right? And you don't have a physical… Because we have people that contact us at Remote Year and they'll say, like, yeah, I work remotely. Like, I travel to my customers all the time. It's like, well, that's not remote because you have to be somewhere, like physically. right? So I worked from the start of that to now to find a completely locational, independent job that Mm. I could do. And that's been a blessing. So it's taken many years. I think in the back of my mind, almost in my subconscious, I always knew that I wanted to do it. And I remember some distinct conversations I had about, I would love to live overseas. And it was kind of just like a, you know, how you talk, talk to people and you're like, oh, like, that would be fun. I remember saying that along the path, like early in my career. And then over time, it just started to call me more and more. Yeah. And then I was like, there was no more thinking about it. It was like, this has to happen. And then it was like, how do I do it? And I broke it up into piece parts, like you say to do. (laughs) So how how did you do it? Uh, Well, I looked at my skill set. I said, you know, what have I I learned so far from the different positions that I've had? Listed out the different jobs that I'd had, the different communities I'd been involved in. I've had other different roles since IBM. You know, I worked for a marketing firm as a vice president for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I started my own event business. I had a... Another consulting business that I started. I worked for a, a dating coaching company for women for a while. Were you like okay? Yeah, <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> I don't keep tell, going, don't and I'll ask about of, that later. Okay, I don't tell a lot of people about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, at any rate, I, I looked at all these experiences and I said, "What are the lessons that I've distilled from this? What are the skills that I've built, and what's transferable mm. into a position that can be done from anywhere?" And I've, I've found that business development sales has always been something that I've gravitated towards. It's what I studied in college. So I just needed to basically understand mindset-wise where those skills were at, what they would apply to, and then use the tools to my advantage. So there are different websites that you can use that have all job listings are completely remote. So I started looking through those and tried to like figure out you know, which ones would work. And about the time that I found that, um, and the, we'll back up a, for a second, I like had to get rid of everything in my life that wasn't in that path, right? Broke right. up with my girlfriend. Yeah, it was, that was tough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I had to get rid of my apartment. But I hadn't done that yet. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had to. Quit my job at the PR firm, the marketing firm. And then I was like, all right, I have… 40 to 60 hours a week that I was spending doing some of these other things work-wise that now I'm going to go all in on finding a remote job. And I feel like a lot of people might wait until they find a remote job to quit their current job. I would beg to say if you have the means to even have a runway of a couple weeks to a month to do it, like in savings or, or you can stay at a friend's house or you figure out some way that you can build yourself a small runway of a month or two, go all in on searching for the right thing because when you use that 40 to 70 hours a week, whatever your work week looks like, all concentrated and focused on getting the shit done that you want like to make happen, it's going to happen. But if you use like an hour after work when you get home and you're tired, you're not going to put the right amount of energy in it. Right. You're not going to get the result that you want. Yeah. It's kind of like you have to eliminate every other choice. Exactly. You jump. Yeah. It's a it's a proverbial jump, that in that 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 initial. I'm talking to my friend right now. Uh, his name's Mike. Shout out, Mike, if you're out there listening to this. Um, he is in a position, and I'm not going to implicate his last name or the company, but he's in a position where he doesn't want to work there anymore. Mm-hmm. Wants to do Remote Year, mm-hmm. which is the company that I work for. We do programs for digital nomads, but he really, really wants to find a job that will suit that and wants to leave his current company. Right now, he is like in this limbo phase where he literally hates every day. Uh (laughs) Fuck. And like every phone call is like painful. And I was like, dude, just fucking quit. Like he's living with his parents right now, saving up some money. He's got a little bit of savings already anyway. I was like, what's your runway? He's like, I could live for a couple of months at least. I was like, dude, just quit. Mm -hmm. Use all of that time and energy towards finding this new thing. I was like, how much, are you, how much time are you spending a day researching and looking for a remote job? I was like, I don't know, like less than an hour. Like, I don't know, not even really anything. It's like, yeah. Fucking quit, dude. Yeah. Spend all of that time yeah. on making it happen. If that's what your priority is. If that's not your priority, then fine. That's cool. But actions and behavior need to match the priorities. And if they don't and you fall out of alignment,
1: that's when you feel like you hate everything that's it's so true, and it's not even that's even that's not uh exclusive to trying to find a new job that's right. just like that's just life you know it, you you have this goal, but nobody's spending enough time to accomplish that or put mm. the right systems in place, and I think that's where that depression and anxiety maybe comes from right
0: well yeah, and in a, in a yes to something is always a no to something else. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying yes to a lot of the things that you fucking hate, Mm -hmm. you're saying no to the things that you actually want. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just got to go all in and bite the bullet and take some credit card debt or like figure out how the long game is going to work for you. Don't get so short-sighted on the fact that if you had left your job, like maybe that puts you in a rough spot for a couple of months.
1: Right. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this concept of atomic living? Mm -hmm. It's by… Uh, madame gandhi who is the drummer for mia for a while okay if you don't know anything about her you should look her up she's a gangster like she went to mm-hmm. harvard and yale while touring with mia and working for spotify and ended up doing her own thing anyway she has this uh theory of or this idea of atomic living where you have three to five pillars of your core values mm-hmm. and when you're presented with you know when you're presented with a choice to do one thing or the other you always reference your three to five core values and whether or not it's convenient in the time, let's for say, for example, you're debating between going to a concert with your friends or doing laundry. Like how many times has anybody said like, dude, I got to do laundry, I have nothing to wear. But if that laundry doesn't al- align with your three to five core values, spending time with your friends, experiencing music, that type of thing, then you don't do that thing. You're always mm-hmm. making decisions based on your three to five core values. Um, and I really enjoyed the idea of atomic living because it makes decisions like what you're talking about yeah. with your friend um maybe easier it's like totally does staying here support the 3 to 5 things that I want out of my life right and the more the answer is no the more that you should kind of ditch out on what you're
0: doing so did you define those for yourself
1: uh my 3 yes mm-hmm. i did what are those for me it's my family and friends i kind of grouped them into one because I stay tight with only a select amount of my family. So my family and friends. Number two is my business. So anything that will support growing this, whether it be networking, creating new content, whatever it might be. Uh, the third is my physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, physical and mental health, I kind of group into the same thing as well because I like to quote-unquote like meditate while I'm working out. Uh, and the f- uh, the fourth is my faith, which is just my faith. And then the fifth is my romantic relationship. Mm. So those are my five things that are the most important to me. So um, you know, if I'm making a decision to do something or another thing, um, if it doesn't support one of those things, I'm probably not gonna do it. What
0: recently have you had to make a decision and reference those
1: last night, which is kind of which is kind of interesting. Um I don't have many people ask me questions on this podcast, so thank you. Um, it was the decision to tell my—because after uh, my meeting canceled, I told my friend that she should come over. And then it clicked in my head where it clicked in my head that um, you had your dinner or your get-together last night. And I was like, shit, I should probably go to that. And although that there, And although there was like maybe—I didn't know—honestly, I didn't know you yesterday mm. or what it was going to be about, but I knew for sure that this 30 minutes with my friend that I could spend would support— like, you know, growing my relationship with her. Mm. um. So I decided to go with that.
0: And we were meeting this morning. So then it it kind of, like, adds the element of, like, we're still going to have... Yeah. Like, it's not to think in terms of um, scarcity, it's abundance, right? Like, we're still going to have our opportunity. Right. And um, I'm actually glad that you didn't come last night because it ended up being way later. Oh. Because I got stuck on Amtrak for... It was three hours late. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: have you ever been to India? No. Everything's three hours late. Yeah. Then, so, remember okay. if you ever decide to go. <laughs> uh, and I hear Amtrak's similar. Like, it's
0: not uncommon for it to be late, but I was like, three hours. Okay. Yeah. So, the dinner got pushed back to like late night. And then, you know, we ended up meeting up. And it was uh, a few people that I knew from my remote year program And we had all traveled together. So, that was like a really cool, a really cool thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, to meet up with them. So, it sounded like when you were in college and, in high school, you were—it seemed as if you were unhappy. Mm. Would that be safe to say?
0: Um, happiness
1: is temporary, mm-hmm.
0: like any emotion. I wasn't feeling fulfilled, okay. and I didn't have meaning. I think to what I was doing. I think
1: that's fair to say. Has becoming a digital nomad helped that? Absolutely. How? The growth. And introspection required
0: to travel to places that you've never been to figure out from a self awareness perspective, like what you need to do to like be productive, like have your job right, Mm -hmm. but also be in a different country. And uh, my my role with Remote Year is very Mm -hmm. um, phone based. I'm on like we I, I make a lot of calls every day, so I always need to be in a position where I have like a place to take a call that has good enough Wi-Fi that I can hear people talking on the other line. Like, there's all these little things that, you know, if I didn't have to make those calls, I could just have Wi-Fi. Right. Right? But there's little added extra things. So, those little nuances create challenges while you're traveling. And it pushes me to be a very effective problem solver in a very, like, short amount of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I don't have time to think about things. I just have time to act, like, react. Right. And I have to be very confident in the fact that if I'm going to make a very quick snap decision to go to this Starbucks instead of that one, that I can park outside and be in my car and have Wi-Fi. Interesting. And, it, like, that's not uncommon for me to, like, have to pull over
1: on the side of the road. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> like Like, literally park outside of a Starbucks, not even go inside. Right, snag the Wi-Fi from outside, make the call in the car with my my uh, seat reclined back, and that's just how that works sometimes. Yeah, it's part of it.
1: Uh, shout to Starbucks for never making you put in a password. Yeah, <laughs> the, right The worst you have to do is put in a, the worst thing that you have to do is put in your zip code, which isn't too bad.
0: they're you know, they've saved me on so many occasions, and I, here's the thing. I am a big proponent of small business and if I have a chance to go support a local coffee shop, every time I'm going to do that. But if I'm in a pinch, <laughs> I know on Yelp I could toss Starbucks in there and there's one within like
1: two or three miles. Yeah. Always. For sure. So so I think that's something that we might all, we being the listener and myself, might be able to take away from is the fact that like we might not be traveling the world. However, we, uh, you know, many of us my I'm gonna speak for myself, there he is. struggle to stay uh pretty uh pretty organized like I can barely get from this office to the Starbucks down the street without like losing something mm-hmm. I, I think now you're traveling all over the place. you're taking a bunch of calls. I just saw your ca- calendar and I got a little anxiety <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. do you stay organized, and then, after staying organized, how do you stay sane?
0: yeah. That's a good question. I think for me, the most effective tool is my calendar. It keeps me honest. It keeps me focused on everything. I mean, there's little tools, right? There's there's mindset over everything. That mindset drives my use of the tools. And I have to buy into that. We all have to buy into our own systems, Mm -hmm. right? Like the systems that are going to create productivity in your life, that are going to allow you to be healthy, successful, whatever that is for you— you have to believe in those systems. So, I believe in my systems. My calendar is one of those. My alarm clock is one of those. Like, I, I set alarms throughout the day at different checkpoints when I have like a call. I'll set it two minutes before the call so that I know, even if I'm in a conversation or I'm in a situation where I might be traveling or in between or whatever, like it'll remind me and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a call right now, something like that. So, there's the little nuances and, and tactics of the system. And then there's kind of the overarching mindset of, how do I want to organize my life? And that's purely experimental, right? You have to go through iterations of it. So I I have like a whole notes section in my phone mm-hmm. where I write certain things down. I've got different categories. I've got different ways of compartmentalizing it in my head. And I think that's just part of my personality too. I'm very structure oriented, mm-hmm. but I also like to live in organized chaos. Yeah, like I there, there's something about the love of the chaos within a structure that I enjoy.
1: It's interesting that you're like, I like the structure. However,
0: do you have a home? Um, Well, it depends what you define as home. I find that wherever I'm at is my quote unquote home. That sounds cheesy as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But to be real, like my parents live in the Bay Area still. Yeah. But I don't identify with living with them because I haven't lived with them since I was like 17. So, do you define that by how many months I spend in a place in a year? Or do you define it by… Like, how do you, how would you define what a home is?
1: Where my friends and family are.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, what if you have friends and family all over the world? Fair. Yeah, you win. <laughs> well, it's not, not about winning. It's about perspective, right? And yeah, just yeah. understanding, like, what your perspective of home is versus what my perspective of home is. Because through traveling, through creating through accepting this lifestyle, I've also accepted that I am a citizen of the world. Yeah, I know that when I'm here in Orange County, I can come hang out with you and go hang out with Brittany and go hang out with a bunch of friends from college. I've got community here. I've got friends here. Mm-hmm. Friends are my family. You lump friends and family into the same thing. I'd, yeah? Right? Like, I, I do the same. So, this is one thing that's beautiful about social media is the fact that you can reach out and create real relationships
1: independent of location and that's i love that does the social media thing help your business as well absolutely Uh, i guess you're sorry i was kind of thinking about the uh the your remote remote year remote year yeah yeah i completely when i asked you that i completely neglected the consulting business that you're doing as well it helps both yeah because i mean social media is essentially
0: the brand that we're putting out there for ourselves right Mm -hmm the the thing i have with social media is it's it's difficult because i always want to be humble about what i'm doing and i know no one especially no one who does want to go travel the world wants to see someone brag about traveling the world right and that's like not my mo is to like my mo is more of it's possible to do it i want to share valuable insights about how i'm going through it i want to share failures about it i want to share success about it But I find that I'm often in this limbo of like fighting my ego from like posting certain things because I'm like, "Eh, well, am I really posting that out of like trying to be valuable to people or am I posting that out of my ego
1: right now? Uh, I wish that we had three more hours to talk about this. Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. When we are doing our interview before this, like I started everything with I believe, right? Mm -hmm. I do that consciously because I hate coming from a place of like, you should do this. Right. It's like for me, it's like I believe this. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean. Yeah. So it doesn't seem as uh, douchey. That's sure. the only thing I can really think of. How like how do you balance like? I mean, when you decide to post something, and I know that it sounds silly, but I think a lot of people, if even if they're not trying to build a personal brand, right. might battle like, yep. how do you post something coming from ego or just trying to share?
0: Yeah. Well, language. Mm-hmm. You're right on about that. Right prefacing things with the fact that you're talking about your personal experience and that it may be different for someone else. Mm. And, and acknowledging that. Like very forthcoming and acknowledging the fact that this is what I'm going through. This is what I've learned. Consider it. And, and I like to frame things as either suggestions or, you know, possibilities and open up conversation. Like how do you, how do you feel about this? Yeah. You know, what, what's, what's been your experience with this? Because I think when you open the dialogue instead of like preaching to people it it becomes more authentic on social media too and that's what i'm going for it's like i want it to actually be a reflection of me i'm not out here to like tell people how to how to do things yeah i'm out here to explain to them what's possible based on my personal perspective yeah but that could be totally different from theirs so there's kind of like that balance like you said in in choosing the right language one thing i focus on is featuring other people Mm-hmm. like that's huge for me, right is putting other people on, talking about other people and what they've learned because then I'm projecting outward lessons that I still believe in,
1: but I can say it from their perspective <laughs> funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's you know that's a, that's kind of the same strategies that I think you yeah. know that that I might be using too that's funny um you know it's great to. I will say this. I've watched a, like a handful of your videos, mm-hmm. which are, which have been, you know, they've been awesome. And I've read a lot of your posts, obviously. But it's it's interesting having you here. I don't, I never, I don't know if pleasantly surprised makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I, it's, in, it's interesting to get along with somebody so well. And what I think is great about this too is the fact that regardless of what, um, Regardless of what, you know, social media might tell you about a person, you never really know until you sit down with them, right? Um, And you said something before we started recording anything today, which was, you know, you don't share everything on the internet. Um, What's something that somebody meeting you might be surprised to learn about you that they wouldn't know from searching social media? Mm.
0: Oh, damn. (sighs) I feel like I've I've been… More recently, especially like super vulnerable about a lot of things. Um, especially like my my former substance abuse. And like um, I stopped drinking. Like I haven't announced that publicly yet. Mm-hmm. And that was due to… Um, I, I had a I had some issues with like binging alcohol. Like I, I wouldn't need alcohol every day. I've never been in a place where I've drank every day in my life. And, or even wanted like one glass of wine or anything. Like that's not even what I'm about. Um, but I would come into these situations where I would overindulge, and I would just not be myself. Because mm-hmm. obviously, if you're that impaired, you don't—you're right. not in control of your decisions. Um, do stupid shit. Um, I've been to jail. Been to the hospital. I've been in situations where I could have died many times and a lot of that is due to careless decisions and alcohol and drugs and i don't think i've ever really talked about that publicly and yeah. it's it's a very it's it's a they're subjects that i'm ready to start talking about more openly because i think that other people especially that were in some of the environments that I was in that I was hanging out with mm-hmm. they probably were going through something similar
1: yeah uh, I think that's really brave of you and I know that might sound silly but I think that especially for somebody like you or I who might have like in quote unquote online image or persona mm-hmm. to start talking about something like that where there's a risk of you know whether it's damaging brand damaging business or anything like that for you it sounds like you're gonna start talking about that online am I right in assuming that?
0: I've got a blog that post that I'm working on that mm. um I think when I'm gonna be ready to do it is gonna be around like my hundredth day of cool. like sobriety um and then using that a hundred days as kind of like a marker to put the blog out, yeah, so now that I'm saying it, I'm fucking accountable to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome <laughs> uh, how many days yeah. until the hundredth day uh I
0: think another another. Th- 28 maybe, something like that. Okay. A couple
1: weeks. So that's going to be close to, what's the anniversary date? Oh, gee, I don't know. I'm, I keep track
0: in a group that I'm in. So okay. I have a, I should show you, a, you, you might actually like this. So I'm in this group. We call it a 100-day challenge group. Mm. Seven of us. And we all talk every single day about the habits that we want to do every single day. Mm. And we keep track. Dang. So those are all respect
1: those. to that. I'm not gonna start yeah. talking about it, yeah. but that's
0: heavy. So seventy-two days right now. Okay. With no alcohol, you know, we've got different things like whether it's exercise or making your bed or drinking. Is this yours? Yeah, that one's mine. Oh favorite. yeah, blue.
1: Duh. Yeah. No, I've uh, used a phone before. You've used an iPhone. <laughs> no
0: so that, that one is mine, but then you like search up and you see some other some other ones like he's posting on his Instagram every day. So we've we've done we've been doing this since like last December. This is awesome. And all seven us, like, people hit their 100 day streak and post about it, and it's the a, accountability. Yeah, exactly what you're saying, right? And having a group of people, or even just one person, that you can rely on for that is is super, super important.
1: I love it, man. Thank you so much. Um, you know, we typically like to wrap the episode with a bit of advice from the guest to the listener. You've given us so much already, but if there was one final thing that you would want to say to everybody, what would it be?
0: I would say that change is inevitable, but growth is intentional. So find, find ways to very purposefully and intentionally change your life. It's, it's riskier to just do the same things. Do you have a savings account? Kind of. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, the point being that if you have money to invest and you're thinking about putting it in a savings account or you're putting it into like a bond or a stock or something, what's more risky? Let's just take a bond versus a savings account. Okay, Like a government-issued bond versus a savings account. A savings account is guaranteed to, over time, make less than the inflation rate, Mm interest-wise. You're actually losing money by having a savings account. Interesting. So the thought being that change is inevitable, but if you actually want to grow and put your money to use, this is just like an analogy, but if you actually want to grow and put your money to use in that situation, you'd put it in a bond where it's going to make more than the inflation rate. The same thing goes for us as humans. Life is going to change. Things are going to be thrown at us and how we react to those things is hugely important. But I think even more important than that is finding ways to institute change for yourself that you know will help you grow.
1: Zoom, I love it, dude. <laughs> Everything, Everything's awesome. I wish that we had more time to talk and next time that you're here, we'll we'll probably have to do another episode and like, do a microscope episode on uh, one of the subjects that you touched on today. Yeah, man. But um, if any of the listeners want to connect with you online, where can they find you?
0: LinkedIn is always great. Um, Jordan Carroll on LinkedIn, jordanscarroll.com. Hit me up about Remote Year, of course. It's an awesome program, four and 12 months. Take you to a different country every single month with awesome people. You don't have to worry about your apartment. You don't have to worry about your flights. You don't have to worry about the events. Like all that stuff is structured for you. So um, those are all great ways to get a hold of me. And of course, through you, if they know you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, to the listener, thank you so much for your time and your attention. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love a five-star review. And if you didn't like the episode that much, feel free to stick it to us with a five-star review anyways, because it's just the right thing to do. But be sure to subscribe. Uh, because we're going to have a lot of incredible people just like Jordan back on the show thanks again Jordan
0: awesome thanks so much